Hey, welcome to Church in the Mall. Welcome home. You picked a really great Sunday to join us as we are continuing this amazing journey through the book of Acts. Today we're going to focus on the person of Peter, but before we do, let's get a bird's eye view of where we're going to be in the scheme of things. Here's a map of Africa right here in the Middle East. We're going to be right in this area. In fact, what has happened previously is if you begin in 32, G or Peter is going to head over to this area and do some healing and uh, even the resurrection of a dead person. And meanwhile, up here in Caesarea, there is a particular man named Cornelius, who is a very devout man, meaning that not only is he Roman, but he is very much intrigued with who this God of the Hebrews are. And he spends much of his time praying and trying to connect and interact with that God. He's about to get a vision all the way up here of God saying, go down to this place of Jaffa, look for a specific man, Simon, a tanner, and in his house is the man Peter you're looking for. Bring him back all the way up here to Caesarea so that he might be able to share the good news of hope with you. Now, that's the basis of our story, but Caesarea is a very, very important place. Here's a bird's eye view of what it might have looked like in Peter's day. This was made by King Herod, and this was, in fact, one of the most incredible places of the whole area. This is where Herod would stay for a lot of his time. This is where all the trade routes would come into this harbor, and this is where they had high tax on things. And so this was a huge moneymaker for this area. Now, down here you can see there's a, looks like a place, an amphitheater. Up here is where they would have their main city, and then, of course, the ports are all over here. Now, today it looks something like this. Here's the amphitheater. You can see that much of the area around it has been destroyed. In fact, an earthquake wiped it out quite a few years ago. But here you can see the main ports are just no longer there. But for all intents and purposes, this is what we're talking about when we're reading this particular part of Acts. Now it begins where this man Cornelius, uh, he's a centurion. That means he's over a hundred different men uh, in his regiment. And he's a part of the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, what's fascinating to me is here is this Roman officer who clearly must be well-liked in order to have a place like Caesarea as his point of destination or his point of employment. So he must be somebody to be reckoned with, somebody really of great stature. But he must also be liked by the Jews because he has this strong understanding and appreciation for their religion and who they are. And so he has found himself in verse 3, one day about 3 in the afternoon, a typical time in which Jews would go to the temple and offer prayer. He's praying and he's having a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius just couldn't believe that an angel would come and speak with him. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, a memorial offering began in the chapters of Leviticus. You can even read about it in Numbers. But it was a, an idea that you would bring this particular offering before God, typically a grain offering. And a portion of it would be selected out and it would be taken and burned into the altar. And that would be offered up to God. And the remainder would be given to the priests. And they would look at that as the entire gift as being a gift to God, a memorial offering that would remind God of the person who's offering it, but also be a gift to the priests to be able to sustain themselves in the ministry of God. And so this particular man, Cornelius, is offering this kind of offering that is being seen before God as something that God will remember. Now, 
this is actually foreshadowing because in the, as we get on in the story, we're going to find that Cornelius and his family, God-fearing men and women, call upon Peter who comes to visit them. And when he does, the Holy Spirit comes upon this group of Gentiles in such a way that their lives are changed forever. They are now grafted into the family of Abraham, the family of God, and they become part of God's family. Now, this was so radical to the third century Jew or first century Jew that they just couldn't quite wrap their heads around it. But what I love about it is by offering Cornelius and his family in this particular time to God where they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they become a memorial offering for all the Gentiles, a gift to remind us that this whole nation has an opportunity to come to Christ. So let's see what happens next. In this particular vision, this dream, Cornelius is told to send men down to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants as devout soldiers, and he sent them to go find Peter. Now, Peter is staying at this house uh, by the edge of the sea, uh, a tannery, so it smells of urine and dead animals, and it's just disgusting. It probably was on the outskirts of the town in that area, and anyone that was a tanner was considered unclean under Levitical law because they handled dead things. And if you handled dead things, you were considered unclean. But Peter has seen some sort of relaxation of the law in the fulfillment of Christ's death and resurrection fulfilling the law. And therefore, he sees this man no longer is unclean, but is clean. And so we're going to see as Peter's mind begins to expand over the idea that not only are Jews made clean, but Gentiles and all peoples of the world as well. Now, Peter, at the same time Cornelius is having a vision, is having a vision of his own, he too is praying to God at Simon the Tanner's house, and he is seeing this vision of God lowering down what looks like a giant picnic, a blanket, if you will, filled with all sorts of animals that are not appropriate under Levitical law for Jews to eat. And Peter looks at this and just is mesmerized. As he hears the word of God speak loudly to him, Peter, kill, eat everything that you see here. And Peter says, surely not. I could not possibly do that. But in verse 15, a voice spoke to him a second time out loud saying, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately that sheet, that, that uh, beautiful banquet is taken up into heaven. Well, Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. At the same time, the men who were sent down from Caesarea are now knocking on the door of Simon the Tanner's house. And they invite Peter to come with them, and Peter says, okay. And he goes with them to see Cornelius. As they make their way there, Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. His house is filled with his loved ones so that they too might benefit from what Peter might share with them. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met with him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. I think I kind of get the idea that perhaps Peter was a little humiliated by this idea. Well, he begins talking with him, and Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said this to them. 
you are well aware that it is against our law as Jews to associate with a Gentile, anyone uncircumcised, or to visit with them. But God has shown me that I should not call any human impure or unclean. Now, Peter is recognizing that this is a change of his original thought and understanding. The things he was taught as a young Jewish boy growing up, that he's not to enter the area of Samaria and deal with half-breed Jews. He's not to come in contact with anyone that is uncircumcised, for he too would be unclean as they are unclean. But now Peter's mind is changing through this understanding of Jesus Christ, who says, call no one impure that God has deemed holy impure. And so here we have this experience where Peter is going to begin talking to this group of people. Cornelius answered him, listen, four days ago, Peter, I was praying at this hour and I heard God distinctly tell me and give me a vision to send people to call you from Joppa back here. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord commanded you to tell us. Our hearts are on fire. Peter, help us to understand. In verse 34, it says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men and women from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Anyone that is seeking after God, truly seeking, is going to find him. The question is, are we able to open our hearts and our minds to having the kind of visions and dreams, the experiences in which God wants to bring something new into our lives. Well, Cornelius has been ready. He's been waiting for this moment, and he's invited his dear friends and family to come and be a part. Let's jump up. All of a sudden, Peter begins explaining to them about this Jesus of Nazareth and how he's the ultimate fulfillment of God's messianic promise to be the savior of his people and the world. And as he learns about this information, that this has always been a part of the Jewish belief system, that they long for the day in which God would provide for them the ultimate sacrifice that would atone for all humanity's sins and allow humanity to stand in the right presence of God, holy and set apart. And how he has been commanded to preach this good news. And while Peter was still speaking all these words in verse 44, it says, The Holy Spirit came upon the entire group, all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that's the Jews that came with him from Joppa, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. They were giving witness to the power of God in their lives in this moment. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have as Jews. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Peter stays with them and explains probably more about this fantastic ministry and even mystery of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Peter is forever changed in his thinking and understanding what he grew up believing. The question for us today is, does God change our minds about things? Does our mind and our understanding of the world become fuller and greater as we begin to embrace an understanding of God as our Lord and Creator, as the one who is called and set us apart for His glory? 
that through his son Jesus, you and I are made whole to step forth into the kingdom of God as children of the living God? Oh, I think so. You know, this reminds me of a time in my early faith when I was working in a large church in California. One particular Sunday, I was out back behind the children's wing, and the back part of that building was the stage area where the musicians were. And out of the back door came the very head of the entire music department for the church. And as he walked outside, I saw him light up a cigarette. And I thought to myself, how on earth can this man be saved if he smokes? I, I'm not kidding. That's really what I thought. You see, I had such a dense, small understanding of salvation that if anyone had any form of, of sin or something that I didn't value inside of them, then surely they could not be saved. In the same way the Jews looked at all the Gentiles, that there's no way they don't share our values. They, they don't share our heritage. They can't be holy and set apart like we can. But they were wrong. You see, in the same way that God spoke to that man who became the head of that music department, and the way that God changed his life and heart is the same way that he changes the Gentiles and the same way he began to change mind. That all of a sudden, my understanding of Jesus and the way that he brings salvation to the entire world opens up the possibilities for people of all different backgrounds, walks of life to come and know Christ. You know, the reality is that man did know Jesus, whether he smoked or not. And my understanding has grown so much. But now we're forced again to look at that same question. As we look at people that we don't share the same values with, can that person of that political persuasion be saved? Can that person with that sexual identity be saved? Can that person who struggles with this particular sin be saved? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. Just like the Holy Spirit comes and shows Peter that God is doing something new, God is doing something in our midst even today, that he is inviting all his children, men and women, gender, uh, ethnicity, nationality, it makes no difference to God. All are invited to taste and see that God is good through the person of Jesus Christ. So as you go forth this day, I want you to pray and ask, God, who is in my heart that I struggle with and who do I need to pray for? God, I don't understand all these things, but what I do understand is that you have made a way for Jew and Gentile, male and female, uh, different nationalities, races, ethnicities, people from different walks of life, different social economic backgrounds to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, may I not be a hindrance, but may I be an inviter, a door that opens people to seeing the true God, the God of the scriptures. Oh, I pray that that is so in our lives. My friends, let's celebrate this time of coming together with communion. Today I have brought uh, some bread and look at this. I got my little communion cup that was given to me by a friend. So grab your elements and let's go into a time of worship with God. Lord, would you take the elements that we have brought here today, uh, both in our homes and here in this moment, consecrate them for your great purposes and uses, that we might be a part of you changing our hearts and minds, that we too might be inviters of others into your kingdom that even though we may not fully understand or grasp the different ways in which people live their lives, the way people wrestle with things, we might become just like your son Jesus, opening the door and inviting any and all to come and taste and see that you are good. Would you come now and make these elements pure and whole in our lives that we might taste and see you? 
Come now, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, take your bread and break it, as this symbolizes the breaking of Christ's body for us. This is the ultimate in sacrifice that God knew that in order to invite Jews and Gentiles to come together under one kingdom of the Lordship of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, he would have to give himself as the ultimate sacrifice. We recognize that by tearing the bread and realizing that it has cost us a great deal. Our sin and our debt has cost the life of a living God. But that God, being so perfect and whole, could not remain dead. He was resurrected on the third day. And by being resurrected, he now stands at the right hand of the Father, inviting us to come and stand in his presence as well, as fully redeemed children of the living God, having trusted in his salvation. My friends, take it and dip it in your cup, or go ahead and drink your juice that represents the blood of that ultimate sacrifice, the blood that atones for our sin and makes us holy and whole. Place it in your mouth and taste and see that God is good. This will conclude our time together this Sunday. But my friends, go forth in this amazing knowledge that you are children of the living God. Just as all have been invited into the kingdom of God, so go forth, inviting all to know the richness of Jesus Christ as not only Savior, but also the Lord of our lives. We'll see you next week.